Hi, I'm Mandy. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to the podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on Spotify. Join us each Sunday at 1030 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Adrian. Thanks for uh, coming and worshiping with us today. Uh, This morning, would you bow your head? We're going to continue in worship this morning and prayer and just ask the Lord's a blessing on our time here together. Lord, your presence is already here. Uh, we've sensed you in our worship. We've sensed you in the reading of your word. We've sensed you even, Lord, as we've given through our tithes and our offerings. We've just sensed your presence here. And so um, we welcome you, but we know you're already here. And so we recognize your presence now, Lord. And we would ask that we this morning would be people, Lord, of resurrection life. And that your word now, as we open it, would be the foundation upon which we build our lives. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I'm excited. We're going to continue in a series called More Than Me. More Than Me. We began this uh, series last week, if you were here on Easter Sunday. And uh, it's this tension that we live in. Really, two tensions. Tension number one is that you and I are a wonder, a miracle, your next breath the heart beating in your chest, your thoughts that you have and your DNA and how all of that stuff just works. Like that's, it's a, none of you woke up today and were like, body, work, do your, no, no, it happened. You are a miracle and God's word says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But we also have this tension and I call it the problem of me. The problem of me is that within us there's brokenness and emptiness and something missing. In fact, uh, last week we use this idea of a mirror. The mirror really represents me. It represents uh, who I am and what I'm about and what I look in the mirror and what I see. And oh, I asked a couple people in our church to help, help us understand the problem of me, which the Bible says is sin. And what sin does is it represents death in our everyday lives. And so I asked them to just look in the mirror and write their own um, interpretation of what that looks like in their own lives. And here's a few of the things that they said. The first uh, few slides, I am not enough. I am stupid, (laughs) that I am damaged goods. I am insignificant. We've been there. Last week we talked about that. We've all been there as we look in the mirror, the lies, the things that sin and brokenness in our world creep in and make us believe the messages loud in our ears. That's the problem of me. And so this series wants to help us understand both that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, but there is something within us that's very broken and something that we can't repair on our own. In fact, this is what Augustine said. Uh, This quote is really helpful. He says this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. And so the series has been given birth, this idea of more than me. There's got to be more than just what's in me. I mean, I'm I'm beautiful, and I'm a miracle, and I'm amazing, but if it's just about me, it's not enough. So this morning, we're going to open the Word of God. If you have your copy of Scripture, uh, whether version Bible app, we have an event set up there, or your copy of Scripture, we're going to be in Romans chapter 5. Last week, we heard uh, this guy, Paul, who is an apostle for Jesus Christ, whose life had been turned around radically because of Jesus and because of his power. Uh, And last week we read a little bit about what he wrote uh, to the church in Ephesus, and now we're going to read same guy, same author, uh, different context. Now he's writing to the church in Rome. 
And these five verses are really deep. These five verses are really rich. These five verses are worth you spending some time in this week, but we're going to spend just a few minutes this morning talking about a profound idea. Last week, we introduced this idea that Jesus came. He came to give us life. And this week, we're going to talk about not just life, but hope. He came to give us incredible hope. So let's begin reading now in verse 1 of chapter 5 of Romans 5, verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We're going to stop there after verse 2 and come up for air and just understand briefly what Paul's saying, because he's saying a lot, but it's really good. He's really saying three things. The first thing he's saying is that we, you and I, have peace with God. That's what Easter Sunday is all about. That we, because of sin, because of brokenness, we deserve death. We deserve punishment, not just eternal death one day, but now shades of death showing up in our lives. And you'll remember last week, I shared some of those things that I wrote down in my life that while we would say, oh, that's just life, it's really the shadow of death in our everyday life. And you and I deserve death because of sin. That's what we deserve. But we can have peace with God. Why? Because Paul says that we're justified. What does that mean? Justified, the opposite of justified is condemned. That you and I, we deserve to be condemned. We deserve that because of our sin nature, because of the sin, the wrong acts that we've done. We deserve that, but that's not what God does. He does not condemn us. Though we deserve death, his justification means that we are made righteous. We are made right in his eyes, and it happens through faith because of Jesus. So if you missed last week, that was not a great summary, but that is what we believe, that we can have peace with you are not an enemy of God today. You can have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on though to say this, not just that we have peace with God, verse 1, but verse 2 says this, we have access to God. We have access to God, verse 2, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That word gaining access is actually, if you look, the Bible was not written in English. In fact, the New Testament was written in Greek, and so often we have to kind of look at the language to understand the original context. And that word, gain access, is a nautical word. It's a word literally for like ships that would come into safe harbor from the rough waters out at sea. And so literally what this means is it's like for a long time we relied on our own efforts. For a long time we relied on me and what me could do, but now... We have found the haven of God's grace. We used to depend on what we could do for ourselves, but now we depend on what God can do for us. We have access to God. We can have a relationship with God because of grace. That's beautiful. And all of that's good, but I said all that to get us to this next point in verse 2. And it is not just that we have peace with God, not just that we have access to God, but we have hope the glory of God. Look at what it says in verse 2, when we boast, this is Paul saying, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. The beautiful thing about this is the peace of God, well, that speaks to our past, that God has taken care of our past. The access to God, man, that addresses the here and now, my day-to-day life, but the hope of the glory of God, now that's speaking to our future. That's speaking to tomorrow. That's speaking to the unknown. That's a beautiful picture that Paul gives us. That word hope is a big word. 
It's a word that we all desire. It's a word that we all crave. It's a word that we all lean into. And I was thinking about hope. And again, this mirror represents me. It represents who I am and, and what I can do. And this series is more than me because if there's a hope in me and what I can do, this is what hope looks like. I wrote down a few things of what, if hope is about what I can do, then ultimately hope is this. Hope is about who I am. It's about who I am, my abilities, my health, my talents. Am I good at this? Am I the best student? Am I a good father? Am I, because if hope is just about me, then it begins with who I am. And not just who I am, but hope is also about what I do. What I do. My job, uh, my career, my hobbies. When people say, you know, Adrian, they'll say, oh, he does this. Whatever title I possess or position. Because, it, again, if hope is about just me and what I can do, then it's about who I am and what I do. But also, it's about something deeper. It's about my relationships. Now, my handwriting's terrible, and I can't fit that on this mirror, so instead I'm going to write, my people, <laughs> my people. You understand what I'm talking about, though, that if our hope is just founded in us, it's about our people. It's about, you know, my family, my wife, and, and all that's great. All this is good stuff, but it's just what if hope is founded in me, then it's just about who I am and what I do and my people, and finally, not just my people, but my stuff, my stuff. My money, my possessions, what I have, what I possess, what I own. That if hope is just about me, then hope is defined by this, who I am and what I do and the people around me and the stuff that I possess. And I'm just here to tell you today, I've lived enough life to know that this is hopeless. It's all good stuff, but who I am, man, there's going to be a point when I don't have the abilities I used to have. Or something's going to come along, my health will be failing, or, or I can't, there'll be somebody that can do what I do better. And so this idea of who I am and what I do is fleeting. I love getting to be in a position of leadership. I love what I do for a job, and, but there will be a day I don't do that anymore. So my hope can't be founded in these. I love the people in my life, but I don't know about you, man, the people in my life that I love the most sometimes are the ones that hurt me the most. And that doesn't mean they're, but, but people let us down. People, will, people cannot fill the hole in your life that only God can fill. And so if our hope is founded in people, that's not enough. And man, is it a, if it's about stuff, haven't we all been there where we thought the next thing, if I could just get that, if I could just get the thing, whatever it is, the nicer car, or the nicer house, or the nicer shoes, students, you know, whatever it is, like I remember, I remember thinking what it was. If I, when I get my driver's license, just watch out. And then I have my driver's license, I was like, I don't, I don't, okay, college, man, when I get to college, it's like always the next thing, and it's just stuff that we possess, and we can't take any of it with us. In the end, all of this is so fleeting. And so now, in the scriptures, we go to understand that Paul helps us understand what is real hope, because he's talking about not hope in me, He's talking about hope in the glory of God, that no matter what happens in my life, God can get glory from it. And let's understand what now, what he's talking about. Let's turn back to Romans 5, looking at verse 3. It says this. He said all of this good, deep, theological stuff in verse 1 and 2. And then he says this. Not only so, but also we glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. He says, not only do we boast in the hope that we have, 
Not only do we boast that in our lives God can get glory from everything that happens, not only do we do that, but we actually boast in our suffering. Most of us wish Paul would never have written those words. Like, that's in the Bible, come on. We have to celebrate in suffering? Seriously? That's what it says, that we would see suffering as the opposite, the antithesis of hope. That suffering counteracts hope. But Paul is saying something very profound here. And what is profound is he's saying that suffering is not the antithesis of hope. Actually, suffering is a gateway to experience hope. This is profound. This is deep stuff this morning. Charles Spurgeon uh, says it this way. He says, hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity, only to be discovered in the night of adversity. I I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the most influential people in my life, people that are godly people, and they're great leaders, but these are not famous people. (laughs) These are just normal, everyday people like you and me, and I look at their lives, and I think, man, I want to be like them, And, and you know what I look at when I see their lives? I see people that have been through immense suffering, but in it, there's something within them that's beautiful, and you know what it is? It's, it's hope. It's hope. Look at what Paul says. He doesn't say we pursue suffering. No, 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 no. That's not it. That's a sick existence, wanting suffering. No, 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 but he says in it we embrace suffering. Why? Why do we do that? Because Paul says, look at what it says in verse 4, because suffering produces something within us, perseverance. Perseverance, and perseverance is faith rising up within us. It's making us stronger. I am not an exercise buff, but I know when you go to the gym that the added resistance on your bike, the added resistance on your treadmill, the more weights you put on the machine, the stronger you will get. Why? Because perseverance is developing. Strength is, and this suffering, which we would view as the end all be all, we would view as the opposite of hope, actually, when we can embrace the suffering with the help of Jesus. That's beautiful. Do you see the difference? It's suffering, it's perseverance, it's character, but through it, something beautiful is produced, and that is hope. Hope. Through suffering, something beautiful can happen. Hope. You see, the problem with hope here is this is me trying to produce hope. This is me trying to manufacture hope. Like to get up tomorrow and to feel good about my life. Why? Because, well, look at who I am and look at what I do and look at my people. Man, look how beautiful my kids are on Instagram. You know, look at, look at my stuff and all that. I, look, I should feel proud. Man, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is that's not hope. Hope can't be manufactured. Hope cannot be produced. Hope is always the byproduct of something else. And the Bible says, God's word says, that hope is the byproduct of suffering. Why? Because suffering in it, when we can trust the Lord through it, it produces strength, perseverance. And through that, man, our character grows. And as our character grows, something beautiful happens. It's hope. It's hope. It's hope that's more than me. It's hope that more than I can produce. I can't do that. No, no, no. It is hope. I think in this, there's a question, a really important question that that maybe you're asking. I would if I were you. It's a deep question. This is a question probably a whole series could be devoted to. It's this question, though, of why suffering? I mean, yeah, I I see that God can do things in our suffering, but isn't God good? Isn't he loving? And isn't he able to just 
get rid of this. Yeah. And I'll be honest, there's suffering in my life sometimes. I say, God, please, take it away. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. So why? Why suffering? I don't, I mean, that's deep. I just, as I've studied and as I've prayed, I think there's two things the Lord showed me about my life. Maybe it will help you. You know what's happening in my life through suffering? One is this, is that in my suffering, I learned to rely on the love of God like I never would before. I mean, you want to talk about the moments in my life where I've needed God the most? They're not when all this stuff is going well. It's when the bottom falls out. And I don't know what to do. And I, you know what I do in that time? God, help me. <laughs> like, as a father, you know, I have children. And, you know, one of the things that's hardest to do is to show love to my child that's kind of pushing me away. I'm good, Dad. I don't need you. I'm, I'm good. All right? And something happens in our suffering where we learn, we're open to the love of God. My, my second is very similar. I think there's a deeper level of intimacy that happens in our suffering. There's an intimacy in our relationship with God that we can't have any other way. And so I don't think, I don't think God desires suffering. That's not who he is. He's a loving God. But in that suffering, he says, if you will turn to me, man, there's a depth here. There's a growth. The same way with my children. Man, the times that I can embrace them the most are the times when they're just willing to cry and say, Dad, I'm so upset. I just love them. But we've all been there parents, you've been there with your kids. Others, you've been there with a friend. That's, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need, I don't know. Sometimes that's how we are. And suffering is the gateway. It's maybe the thing that allows us to put our guard down and somehow allow the love of God to really embrace us. I want you to think about a story today. It's my friend Derek. He's one of you. He's normal. He's very ordinary by human standpoints. He's, he's somebody that would never want to be on stage, never want to have the microphone. But I was thinking about his life this week when I was thinking about hope in the midst of suffering. His story is this, that he grew up in church and grew up knowing the Lord and got married. And he and his wife, Tammy, had all the experiences of marriage, some rocky things around the way and joy along the way, but they were never able to have children of their own. And so in it, they just trusted the Lord and they had three different foster care placements and respite care and all these different ways that they had different people welcome in their home and people would live with them for long periods of time. But ultimately, they just wondered if they would ever be able to have children of their own. And then God opened the door, an opportunity for a brother and sister who needed a forever family. And over time, through the foster care system, it was clear that they were going to have the opportunity and would be able to adopt these two precious children as their own. Well, during this time, suffering began to enter the picture. Because you see, many years before, Tammy had overcome a battle with cancer, but now, in the same exact season that they adopted these two children, the cancer had returned. And over the next couple years, it was not easy. There was chemotherapy and uh, sickness and a lot of discouragement. And then in, in 2016, Tammy suffered a serious stroke, a stroke that they discovered later should have killed her. It didn't, but it left her struggling in a rehab facility, trying to learn again to eat and talk and just simply function. While she would make strides in those months to come, it was clear that the cancer was still raging war in her body. In November 2017, Tammy passed away. 
I got to be there to be a part of her funeral service. One of the most godly people I've ever known. But here's Derek. (laughs) In the midst of it all, Derek, now a single dad, seemingly alone, trying to pick up the pieces of his life. If it was about Derek only, if it was about the hope that he could manufacture, you know what kind of words he would say? Disaster, destruction, despair. Recently, I got to hear Derek give his testimony. I asked him to come to our men's retreat and share about 115 men in the room. And Derek's not an up-and-front kind of guy, but, but he was willing to do it, and he got up front. And the first thing he said, now a year and a half later, is I'm here tonight because some of you in the room need hope. You see, what Derek realized is that his hope wasn't always found here. His hope was found in something much deeper, something more than me. And so uh, Derek began to share some of the things that God has showed him over the years. He chose one word for this year that he would begin praying over his life. He wears it often on a wristband uh, around his wrist, and that word is hope. Hope. In the midst of suffering, Derek chooses hope. He says, uh, as we were texting this week, that Hebrews 6, 19 has become so personal to him. It says this, that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure, that there can be a hope, even in suffering, even in circumstances that the world around you would say, there is no hope in that. Our hope isn't found here. Our hope is found through Jesus Christ. Our hope is found by his presence even in our storm. The hope of me, the hope of me is very fleeting. But the hope of God always stands the test of time. You don't have to ask just Derek, man. There's people today next to you, in front of you, behind you. They're incredible people of hope today. And it's not because their life's been easy. It's not because their circumstances have been absent of pain. No, 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 it's in it. In the suffering, they've chosen to allow God to embrace them. They've chosen to allow his presence to develop within them perseverance. And perseverance develops character. And in that character, you know what the byproduct of that is? It is hope. (laughs) Paul's not done. We've got one more verse, Romans 5, 5. It's the key. It's the glue. It's the secret sauce that makes this all possible. Would you follow along? Let's read Romans 5, 5. It says this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Shame is a powerful, pervasive, it's absolutely debilitating that we've all been in the place of feeling ashamed by maybe putting our hope in something that did not last, by putting our hope in something that was other than God, we've all been there. We've all seen our dreams crushed, our hopes dashed. We've all been there feeling ashamed, hopeless. But today I'm not here to sell you anything, but I'm here to promise you a hope that will not fail. It will not fail. It will not put you to shame. And why is that? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that we celebrated last year, Easter, that Jesus would die on the cross. He would take your place. You deserved death, but he, he stood in your place. And he, death would not hold him down. He would, he would rise from the dead 
and be raised to life. A beautiful thing, but Jesus did not stay here on earth forever. He resurrected. He went up to heaven at the right hand of God, but in his absence, as he left, as he departed, he said, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. That my spirit, the same spirit that raised me up out of the ground, I'm leaving here with you. It's going to live in you. It's going to dwell among you. That's why as we were singing, as we were praying, man, that spirit of God is here. I mean, Jesus is here in the room. Even though he's up at the right hand of Father, his spirit is here among us. And do you know the reason that you can have hope in the middle of circumstances? Do you know that you can have it? Why? Because the presence of the Holy Spirit. He has not left you alone in your suffering. He's here. We have a, a new little girl to our home this past year. I showed you pictures last week, as proud fathers do. She came home uh, last July to our family from Central Africa, and if you can imagine taking a child out of the middle of Africa and inserting them here, there's a lot that comes with that. There's a lot of learning. There's a lot of growing, but one of the greatest joys and challenges in our journey is this journey of attachment, of teaching her that Lauren and myself, mom and dad, we're here. We're not leaving you. We're not changing. We're not going anywhere. We're going to keep showing up, and we're going to keep loving you. And it, you know, that's a journey, and that's a challenge. Some of you have been through that, that challenge and that journey. And so the first few weeks, literally, she would just sleep at the foot of our bed in her pack and play, and like 10 times a night, she would wake up and just sleepily stumble down, you know, to make sure she knew we're here, we're here, it's okay. And then we were so exhausted that finally we're like, let's just, let's put her in her room, you know, we can do this, it's okay. Like, it we actually thought maybe it would help, and so I remember those first few weeks, there were some long nights going back and forth, fall asleep on the floor next to her bed, all kinds of crazy stuff that you do as a parent, but, but I remember those moments coming into her room in the middle of the night, she's crying, and I lean down next to her, and I just say, glory your dad's here. Glory, I'm here. Glory, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. Do you know what the presence of the Holy Spirit does in the midst of your suffering? It's like the gentle whisper of God in your ear. Saying, son, daughter, I'm right here. I know you feel alone. I know you're scared. I know maybe you can't see me. The Holy Spirit, man, is constantly reminding you, I'm right here. I didn't go anywhere. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. That's hope. <laughs> That's hope. I'm going to ask you today to just bow your heads with me and close your eyes. I just, I believe some of us in this room need hope today. I don't know what you're facing, but I know some. It's hard. It's not easy. And you can be tempted today to rely on me, rely on yourself to be enough, but it's not enough. It will never be enough. So this morning, we're just going to dim the lights for a minute, and we're just going to have a, a holy moment between us and the Lord, a, a look in the mirror. Today, how's your hope? Is your hope being placed in your circumstances, in your character, in your bank account, in your career, in your emotions, or today, do you know what it is to have this hope that is an anchor for our soul? Do you know what it is to truly rely on the power of God in the midst of your suffering? To believe 
that if we can trust him in our suffering, he is producing within us something powerful. This quiet moment now that we have together. Today, if you're here and you need hope, I want to invite you today to something that's more than me, more than what I can do. It's the hope of God, a present help, an ever-present help in times of trouble. His Spirit will go with you so that you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Why? Because He is with you. He's not left you in your storm. Today, some of us, He wants to show us that, that He is working within us in our suffering to produce something beautiful and it's it's a pearl. It's beautiful. It's a treasure of hope. So today, if that's you, I'm just going to invite you to do something that's kind of bold. If today you need hope, I just want you to stand right at your seat. You don't need to come up front. You don't need to bother anybody next to you. That, nobody needs to. It's just between you and God. But this is kind of a, this is a deep thing because this is saying I'm standing today and I'm not standing on me. I'm not standing on what I can do. I'm not standing on the hope of me. I'm standing on the hope and the promise of God. I'm standing on your goodness, even in the face of difficulty. I'm standing today on your promises that they are true and that that is what I can build my life on, that there is hope today that's an anchor to my soul. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to have the courage to stand. I just want to pray for you. And I believe that that act of faith, that act of standing, maybe it's the first step to hope rising up in your heart today. All around this room, folks are standing. It's not too late. You're still invited. If that's you, would you just stand? Say, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. In the midst of your suffering, that hope would rise up today. Jesus, you are good, and you are faithful, and you are worthy. And even in my pain, even in my brokenness, Lord, you have not left me. Your spirit today wants to whisper in our ear and say, I'm right here. I'm not leaving. Thank you, Jesus, for hope that's more than me. Thank you that you don't ask me to do this on my own. Thank you that I cannot do this on my own, Lord. We need your help. And so right now, for every person standing from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, Lord, fill them with your presence and may your hope come alive today, Lord. It may not change their circumstances, but it always changes me. And Lord, in it, I feel your love. I experience your power. I experience your presence, even in brokenness, even in hard circumstances. Thank you for Derek. He is one. He is one life, Lord, being changed by the power of your presence, even in our suffering today. We have such a gift. You know our needs today, Lord, and you are enough. We trust and believe and thank you that this is all possible because of Jesus. Church, would you just stand now? Would you join these on their feet? We're going to close the service by just reminding ourselves of the God that we serve, reminding ourselves that he is worthy that he stood by my side and he stood in my place jesus no other name could we just for a moment now as we conclude this time together could we just sing and remind ourselves that the god we serve is worthy amen 
Thanks again for listening today. Email us at info at beaconofhope.org with any questions about our church. We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. We are at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.